Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now it's time for the sports news. For this Tuesday, October 10th, your reader today is Kerry Lawless. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. This article is from the Lexington Herald Leader, Leary, Among Kentucky Football Wearies After Georgia Loss by John Hale. There's no spinning of 51 to 13 loss as a positive, regardless of the quality of competition. The Herald Leader's weekly UK football stock watch usually looks at elements of the team that are rising and falling after each game, but the blowout loss at Georgia left no room for positives. Ray Davis found some early success in the run game and continued to show big playability with a touchdown off a screen pass. But those minor successes only added to the disappointment of the offense's inability to get in the ball more often. They beat us from top to bottom the entire game. But however, yeah, that's very unfortunate. And that's not very good or smart by us to get penalties and stop ourselves when we're driving the ball and are able to keep things on schedule, UK coach Mark Stoops said after the loss. But penalties killed two drives and then a missed throw killed another drive. You can't just come down here and do that. So there is no rising section of the stock watch this week. Instead, here's a closer look at three areas of concern after the Georgia loss. Devin Leary. Six games into the season, it is time to wonder if inconsistency is going to be the defining trait of UK's passing game all season. There has been plenty of blame to spread around for those struggles, but it's also impossible at this point to describe Leary as anything but a disappointment. The former NC State star was supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks available in the transfer portal. He has shown that potential with several highlight real-worthy throws, but some of his misses have been mind-boggling. That was never more apparent than on the first drive at Georgia. Even after a holding penalty put Kentucky behind the chains, Kentucky had a chance to keep a promising drive moving when a third and 15 play left Tavian Robinson wide open for what would have been a first down and might have even resulted in a touchdown. Leary sailed the throw over Robinson, though, despite no defender being even close to the receiver. Usually I don't say a whole lot during games to a quarterback to not get him off his game, but there's no excuse not to hit some of those people, Stoops said. We had some guys wide open. You put that, whether we miss some open plays to keep it close early and then you add in the penalties, it gets away from you very quickly. Some of Leary's throws have been so off that it's fair to wonder if the surgery to correct the torn pectoral muscle that ended his 2022 season early has affected his accuracy. When Stoops was asked about that theory after the game, he dismissed the suggestion that Leary was not 100% healthy. I believe he is okay, Stoops said. 
I would have no reason to believe he's not. Yeah, I was a little disappointed myself. Penalties. The biggest indictment of Kentucky's performance in Athens was how undisciplined the team was despite knowing the size of the challenge facing it. Kentucky's offense actually looked dangerous early with two first downs on the opening drive before a Jager-Burton holding penalty turned a second and three into a first and 19. A personal foul penalty against Burton turned a second and three into a second and 18 on the second drive. Against a team like that, you can't just you just can't do those things, offensive coordinator Liam Cohen said. After surrendering touchdowns on Georgia's first two drives, Kentucky appeared to finally force a punt on the Bulldogs' third drive when Deion Walker batted down a pass at the line of scrimmage. But he negated his good play by shoving the Georgia player to the ground as his teammates attempted to pick up the dead ball and return it for a touchdown. The personal foul extended the drive, which eventually resulted in Georgia's third touchdown for a 21-0 lead. Lack of discipline, Stoops said. I just didn't have them ready for that moment. The moment was too big for them. We didn't play very good. We didn't play very disciplined. We didn't play very tough. We didn't get it done. It's not coach speak, but we as a staff and I have to do a better job of getting them ready and getting them prepared. Passing defense. Georgia quarterback Carson Beck turned in his best performance yet in his first season as the Bulldogs starter. While Beck is a talented player, no quarterback should be able to complete his first 12 passes against a defense with Kentucky's reputation. It wasn't like Beck had to fit many of those throws into tight coverage either. Kentucky left multiple receivers wide open, including star tight end Brock Bowers, who was a point of focus all week for UK coaches. I saw also as uncharacteristically undisciplined with dirty eyes, Stoop said. I also compliment them with the way they were creating some plays that we all look at and say, how in the world does a guy like that get so open? Well, some of it they're creating. They did a nice job, and they got us with bad vision. Even on some of the big ones you see, Bowers running down the field wide open, and you're like, how in the world are you going to leave that guy open? Well, they dressed it up. Kentucky must address the past defense issues quickly. Missouri, this week's opponent, ranks 12th nationally in passing yards per game, 319.5. Next game, Missouri at number 24, Kentucky, 7.30 p.m. Saturday. Next from the Herald-Leader, Everything That Happened in Kentucky's Basketball Offseason by Ben Roberts. It's been more than six months since the last Kentucky basketball season ended in unceremonious fashion, a 75-69 loss to Kansas State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. That wasn't the ending many expected this time last year, when the Wildcats were widely viewed, both inside and out of Kentucky, as a legitimate national championship contender. Perhaps even more unexpected was the offseason that followed, a constant and chaotic series of events, even by the standards of the current state of college basketball, where roster comings and goings are as commonplace as ever, and general confusion rules the sport. From the transfer portal to NBA draft decisions to injuries to name, image, and likeness negotiations 
to international intrigue and all points in between, it was as busy a spring, summer, and early fall as ever for UK coach John Calipari, who remained mostly silent amid the turmoil. Now, the off-season is all but over. The talking season will begin soon enough, with Big Blue Madness returning to Rupp Arena on Friday, the SEC's Media Day scheduled for next week, and Calipari's annual UK Media Day appearance expected to take place the week after that. And the Wildcats season opener is less than a month away, November 6th, versus New Mexico State in Rupp. Before the basketball season begins, here's a look back at the highs, lows, and oddities of Kentucky's wacky off-season. March 20th, less than 24 hours after UK's 2022-23 season ended, Rick Pitino is officially named the new head coach at St. John's, marking the return to the high major level for a man who dominated basketball headlines in the bluegrass from his arrival as Kentucky's coach in 1989 to his scandal-plagued ouster as Louisville's coach in 2017. March 27th, eight days after Kentucky played its final game, the Wildcats lose their first player from the 2022-23 roster, with veteran point guard Xavier Wheeler entering the transfer portal following a tumultuous second season with UK. March 28th, incoming Kentucky basketball freshmen have a big night at the McDonald's All-American game with DJ Wagner earning MVP honors and fellow UK recruits Aaron Bradshaw, Justin Edwards, and Reed Shepard flashing plenty of promise. Though it wouldn't be confirmed for months, Bradshaw suffered a foot injury during the All-Star Showcase that would go on to cast a cloud over the Wildcat summer. March 31st, after three seasons at Kentucky, veteran forward Jacob, Jacob Toppin enters the NBA draft, making it clear that he would not use his final year of college eligibility. April 1st, the day after Toppin's departure, freshman guard and projected lottery pick Kaysen Wallace throws his name in the NBA draft pool, marking an end to his college career after just one season. April 4th, UK's leading backcourt scorer, Antonio Reeves, declares for the NBA draft, but leaves open the option to return to college for one more year. April 5th, two weeks after telling the Herald-Leader that he would definitely be back in Kentucky uniform for the 2023-24 season, freshman center Ugano Onyenso's name appears in the transfer portal, though neither the player nor program releases any sort of public statement on his status, adding to the confusion around his situation. April 7th, two-time All-American in 2021-22, National Player of the Year Oscar Shibwe enters the NBA draft, though he leaves open the possibility to return for a final season of college. April 12th, freshman guard Chris Livingston enters the NBA draft, but leaves open the option to return to college. Later that day, Ugano Onyenso releases a statement on social media to say that he will indeed be back at Kentucky, making no reference to his brief stay in the transfer portal. April 21st, Kentucky players Damian Collins and C.J. Frederick both enter the transfer portal. April 24th, just three days after putting his name in the portal, C.J. Frederick finds a new home, committing to hometown school Cincinnati for his final season of college basketball. 
April 26, Xavier Wheeler becomes the second ex-Wildcat to land at a new school committing to Washington, where he will play this season alongside former Kentucky player Keon Brooks, Jr. May 4th, Kentucky's number one transfer target, Michigan Center Hunter Dickinson, announces his commitment to Kansas, ending a recruitment, one in which UK was favored for a time. That included ample public mention of Dickinson's NIL expectations and questions over how he might coexist alongside Oscar Shibway should the Kentucky star return. Less than 30 minutes later, veteran UK big man Lance Ware enters the transfer portal. The same day, John Calipari goes on the Dan Patrick show where he makes thinly veiled references to Dickinson's recruitment, addresses rumors around Shibway's future, and implies that he'll see out the duration of his 10-year contract, which doesn't end until 2029. May 17th at the NBA Combine in Chicago, a couple of Wildcats put some rumors to rest. In interviews with the Herald leader at the event, Oscar Shibway and Chris Livingston, both still undecided on their basketball futures, say that if they return to college basketball for another season, it would be with Kentucky. Both players have been subject to speculation that if they pulled their names out of the NBA draft, they might look to play elsewhere as late transfers. May 20th, Lance Ware announces that he will transfer to Villanova. He has two seasons of college eligibility remaining. May 22nd, UK announces the hire of longtime NBA assistant coach John Welch, who will join Calipari's staff in a player development role, among other duties. New NCAA guidelines will allow for five assistant coaches on college basketball staffs starting this season, and Welch was the first hire of the 2023 offseason. May 25th, Damian Collins announces his transfer to LSU, meaning the two-year Kentucky player will stay in the SEC. May 31st, NBA deadline day gets wild. Decisions from Oscar Shibway, Antonio Reeves, and Chris Livingston all go down to the final hours, and Kentucky fans who stayed up to hear the news go to bed antsy. Both Shibway and Livingston remain in the draft, ending their college careers. Reeves removes his name from consideration, but doesn't make it clear whether he'll return to UK, leading to speculation that he might look to transfer or possibly play in a different pro league instead of coming back to college. June 12th, with four players in the NBA draft, four players in the transfer portal, and Antonio Reeves' status still up in the air nearly two weeks after the draft deadline, John Calipari makes his first off-season addition with the commitment of Jordan Burks, a three-star high school prospect in the class of 2023. That night, former Kentucky guard Jamal Murray helps lead the Denver Nuggets to the NBA championships. June 17th, Indiana guard Joey Hart, another three-star recruit in the high school class of 2023, announces his commitment to Kentucky for the upcoming season. June 21st, three weeks after NBA draft deadline, it's confirmed that Antonio Reeves is back on UK's campus and ready to join the Wildcats for the 2023-24 season. Before his return, Reeves enrolled in summer classes at Illinois State where he spent the first three years of his college career. Reeves has not yet addressed the three-week gap of silence or how seriously he considered leaving UK during the offseason. June 22nd, Cason Wallace is selected with the number 10 overall pick of the 2023 NBA draft 
going to the Oklahoma City Thunder, while fellow freshman Chris Livingston is the 58th and final pick of the night going to the Milwaukee Bucks. Neither Oscar Shibwe nor Jacob Toppin is drafted, though both signed free agent deals with the Pacers and Knicks respectively over the next 24 hours. June 26, after missing on a high-profile transfer targets, Kentucky lands a commitment from veteran forward Trey Mitchell, who had planned to play his fifth and final season of college basketball at West Virginia before head coach Bob Huggins' ouster following the charge of driving under the influence. June 28, promising center Somto Cyril becomes Kentucky's first commitment for the 2024 recruiting class. There had been persistent speculation that Cyril might reclassify to 2023 and join the Wildcats for the upcoming season, but he decided to stay put in the class of 2024. June 30th, John Calipari meets with local reporters for his first press conference of the offseason. The biggest news to come out of the appearance, UK's coach confirms that Aaron Branshaw didn't indeed suffer a foot injury and had decided to undergo a medical procedure that would keep him out of the Wildcats' upcoming trip to Canada for the Global Jam. July 6, UK announces the hire of longtime college assistant coach Chuck Martin, who is also on John Calipari's staff at Memphis. July 11, on the eve of Kentucky's official opener in the Global Jam Tournament in Toronto, returning big man Ugano Onyenso goes down with an injury suffered in a closed-door scrimmage against Team Africa. July 12, without a true center, Kentucky plays forward Trey Mitchell at the five spot and beats Germany with an exciting fast-paced style in the opener of the Global Jam. July 13th, UK dismantles host Canada in Game 2 of the Global Jam event. July 15th, following a day off, much of which was spent at Drake's Mansion in the Toronto area, the Wildcats return to the court and Antonio Reeves goes off in the final game of Global Jam pool play. July 16th, Kentucky basketball wins at the Global Jam. August 1st, Zvonimir Ivicic, a high upside seven-footer from Croatia, commits to Kentucky for the 2023-24 season. August 24th, UK releases its complete non-conference schedule for the 2023-24 season, a slate that includes games against expected preseason number one Kansas, along with North Carolina, Gonzaga, Miami, and Louisville. August 25th, it's announced that longtime UK Athletics Director Mitch Barnhart has agreed to a contract extension through the 2027-28 school year. September 5th, with Croatian big man Zvonimir Visic still not on campus amid a drawn-out admissions process, the University of Kentucky releases a public statement on the matter citing misinformation regarding the situation and claiming that all parties are still working to get the recruit cleared in time for the fall semester. September 7th, the SEC releases game dates for the upcoming season, setting Kentucky's 2023-24 slate in stone. The Cats will tip off league play at Florida on January 6th. September 14th, UK announces that Big Blue Madness will take place October 13th in Rupp Arena. September 26th, Kentucky's players hit the Joe Craft Center court for the first real practice. Injured big men Aaron Bradshaw and Ugano Onyenso aren't ready to fully participate in basketball activities. September 29th, Big Blue Madness tickets are made available to Kentucky fans. 
who waste no time in snatching them up. October 4th, Big Z is free, a UK spokesman tells the Herald Leader that Zvonimir Avisic has been admitted to the university as a student, ending that uncertainty and opening the door for the Croatian Center to join the team in time to become eligible. October 13th, Big Blue Madness is here and the off-season is over. Let the basketball begin. The next article is from the Louisville Courier-Journal, Raiders intercept love three times and win. Linebacker Robert Spillane had just one career interception before Monday night, and cornerback Amik Robertson received just his second start in five games this season. Both players were critical to the Las Vegas Raiders' 17-13 victory over the Green Bay Packers. Spillane intercepted Green Bay's Jordan Love twice, and Robertson made the game-sealing pick in the end zone to stop a three-game skid. One of the best interceptions I've ever seen in my life, Spillane said. 50 yards down the field to be able to contort his body, high point the football, and end the game like that. What an outstanding play by a player who's been gnawing at the bit to get on the field. The Raiders' offense did just enough, with Jimmy Garoppolo completing 22 of 31 passes for 208 yards and a touchdown while throwing his NFL-high seventh interception. Jacoby Myers caught seven passes for 75 yards and a TD, and former Packer Devontae Adams had four catches for 45 yards. Love was 16 of 30 for 182 yards and the three picks. He has thrown five interceptions in the past two games. I've got to be better, Love said. I've got to take care of the ball. Both offenses struggled. The Raiders, 2-3, and three, gained 279 yards, and the Packers, 2-3, and three, finished with 285. I thought our defense competed hard enough for us to win the game, Packers coach Matt LaFleur said. We've got to find a way to score points because I think any time you hold somebody to 17 points, it's enough to win football games. Las Vegas ended an eight-game skid against the Packers. The franchise last beat Green Bay in 1987 when it played in Los Angeles. Next, Braves rise up. Baseball's most potent group of sluggers finally got into the swing of things, maybe just in time to save the season for the Atlanta Braves. Throw in a game-ending double play for the ages, courtesy of a remarkable catch by Michael Harris II, and some astute positioning by Austin Riley, and suddenly this 104-win team has gone from down and out to showing a little postseason swagger. Travis Darnold and Riley hit two-run homers as the Braves, who were held without a hit into the sixth inning, rallied from a four-run deficit to stun the Philadelphia Phillies 5-4 to Monday, night evening, Monday night, evening the NL Division Series at one win apiece. It was really emotional, especially the way we came back, Darnold said. That was one of my favorite postseason games ever. Darnold, who started at catcher over slumping Sean Murphy, gave the Braves hope with a shot into the left field seats in the seventh, cutting Philadelphia's lead to 4-3. to three. It was Atlanta's first extra base hit of the series. Riley provided the second, driving a 3-2 and two pitch from Jeff Hoffman into the Phillies' bullpen with two outs in the eighth to put the Braves ahead for the first time in the best-of-five series. Ronald Acuna Jr., scored ahead of Riley after being plunked on the left arm by Hoffman's first pitch coming in from the bullpen. I just have faith in those guys, Braves manager Brian Snicker said. 
you know what? They give you a hard 27 out. They're never going to stop fighting in the batter's box. It ended in equally stunning fashion with Bryce Harper aboard. Nick Castellanos drove one to deep right center, only to be robbed on a great leaping catch by Harris, slamming into the fence. I knew off the bat it was going to be close to the fence, Harris said. I knew once I went back, I wasn't stopping. I was going to do anything I could to get a glove on it. If my body had to go down because of that, I would have done it. Harper had rounded second base when Harris made the grab. He backtracked desperately, and the throw back to the infield skidded past second baseman Ozzie Albies. But Riley alertly backed up the play and zipped the throw to first for the completed double play. It was the first postseason game in baseball history to end on a double play involving an outfielder, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. Just like that, the series is all tied up. Game three is Wednesday at Philadelphia. Next from the Courier-Journal, Arizona takes 2-0 lead in NLDS. Okay, so now do you believe in the Arizona Diamondbacks? The D-backs continued their magical vengeance tour through the postseason, kicking sand in the faces of the Los Angeles Dodgers for the second consecutive game, 4-2 Monday night, and now are just one victory away from advancing to the National League Championship Series for only the third time in franchise history. The D-backs are up two games to none in the best-of-five NL Division Series and can close out the series Wednesday night or Thursday night at Chase Field in Phoenix, completing their stunning postseason run. The last time the D-backs played in Phoenix, they were being swept by the Houston Astros to close out the regular season, although they clinched the final wild-card spot with a loss and celebrated with a pool party. They since have gone to Milwaukee, swept the Brewers in the NL Wild Card Series, and now have bludgeoned the Dodgers, silencing the sellout crowd of 51,449 at Dodger Stadium. Maybe it's time to put the narrative to rest that the Diamondbacks are those plucky little underdogs. We hear the talk, Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavolo said. We're here... We're here that maybe we're like the little brother that everybody can beat up on. We take that personally. We embrace it. We understand that we haven't done a lot compared to the Dodgers or the Astros or some of the teams that are getting some of the notoriety. But we're here. We're ready to compete, and we like it that way. They've certainly been rude guests to the Dodgers starting rotation, embarrassing three-time Cy Young Award winner Clayton Kershaw in Game 1 and tormenting Game 2 rookie starter Bobby Miller. The Diamondbacks knocked Miller out of the game after just one and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs and four hits. The Dodgers starting rotation after the first two games, two innings, ten hits, nine earned runs, 40.50 ERA. They have been forced to use their bullpen for 48 of the 54 outs this series. You just can't survive ultimately to win 11 games in October by doing a bullpen every single game, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said. It just can't happen. It's just not sustainable. You have to have a guy that can take down outs. The Dodgers could have an awful long winter trying to make sure it doesn't happen again next October. This wraps it up for the sports news from the Lexington Herald-Leader and the Louisville Courier-Journal for this Tuesday, October 10th. Your reader for today has been Carrie Lawless. 
Thank you for listening, and now please stay tuned for continued programming on Radio I. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.